Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Judy Sedgman, and I'm here with my very good friend, Christine Heath. And Chris is in Hawaii, and I'm now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're uh, bringing you this during the uh, holiday season. And so today we thought to celebrate the holiday. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, That we would talk about New Year's inspiration versus New Year's resolutions. Um, Because this is the time of year when everybody reassesses and they, uh, you know, we all sit around and say, well, what do we really want to do? What have we been putting off? What what should we be doing? And a lot of times um, it's, it's, it turns out to be really discouraging for people because either they make a big list and they get all into it. And then three weeks later, they're, they feel like they're failing or they um, can't think of what to put down for resolutions. And then they feel like a failure because they haven't done what everybody else is doing, or they write a list of things that other people told them they should be doing. And often we just find it to be more stressful than, uh, exciting to make new year's resolutions. I think everybody feels pressure to do it because people are always comparing and talking about it over lunch and things in the beginning of the year. And so I've been thinking about it and uh, Chris and I have been talking about it and we thought, you know, really, if you work from inspiration, if you work from wisdom and inspiration of something, you know, that inspires you or that you'd really like to do something that's occurred to you that you've just kind of set aside. And when it comes back, every time it comes back, it comes back with this nice feeling like, yeah, I'd really love to do that. Um, that takes all the pressure off because you're, you're re- instead of a resolution, a promise to you, uh, yourself and other people in the universe or whatever, you're just expressing a, a goal or a desire that that's true for you. And that is, is come from you. It's come through your wisdom, not come from your intellect churning away at like, what should I be doing? What do people expect of me? And I thought of that uh, this past week. And I had an experience that reminded me of the difference because I've been a person, uh, you know, that as I got older, I got very committed to staying strong, especially after I had two, two knee replacements and a shoulder replacement and a lot of physical therapy and rehab. And I was very committed to going to a gym. And had a trainer, and I really was very settled in what I was doing, and I really loved it. And then I left Florida and moved to Pennsylvania, and I didn't have a place to go here, and uh, I didn't really know where to turn. And I looked online, and I didn't find anything. And I called up a couple of trainers, but people weren't doing um, any home visits anymore because of COVID, and I didn't really want to do something online. And so I, I was sitting around thinking, gosh, I really need to, I need to do something about this. And um, I started to feel pressure that I wasn't doing the right thing for myself. And then other people, I got a note from my trainer in Florida saying, have you started back to a gym yet? And I started feeling pressure about it. And I was getting frustrated with myself. 
And, you know, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be angry at myself because I hadn't solved that problem yet. And I was going to get weak and old and frail and you know, things like that. I'd have to like drop that thought. So I was walking back from the drugstore um, a couple of weeks ago. And I walked past this place that I'd walked past before. It's a gym. But I, I, when I peeked in or I peeked at the name and just watched who was coming and going as I walked by, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a bro gym. You know, it's all these young guys. It's a downtown gym. They're probably, you know, it's a big sweaty. I made up in my mind what it probably was. So the other day I was walking past it and I happened to look up and look at the signs in the window. And uh, it said rehabilitation, coaching, training, uh, all ages, you know, we, tr- we work with people of all abilities, you know, it was like, oh, wait, <laughs> you know, this may be okay. So I called, I went home and I called them and, uh, and there, you know, th- nobody was there that could talk to me right then. So I emailed them. There was a little contact thing on the website. And within 15 minutes, I got an email back from the owner of the gym saying, I'll call you soon. And then he called me. And, um, and he was the nicest person and he, he has this whole history of, uh, he was wounded in war and he had very serious injuries and he was going to be really disabled for the rest of his life. And he didn't want to be disabled. And he developed, uh, his own way of kind of overcoming his, you know, his, his surgeries and his injuries and all the things that he'd been through. And in doing that, he, um, he he developed, you know, th- routines that work for people that have limitations that usually you would say, well, you can't do that kind of thing because you have, you know, a pin in your hip or you have, you know, a replacement or you have this or you have that or you're missing this part. And so he was like very, very nice. And he said, you know, he works with a lot of people that are um, either been injured or they're older or they're rehabbing from surgery or whatever. And, um, so I found my perfect place, but, and now I'm, I'm not making a resolution to go there. I really can't wait to start (laughs) very excited about it, you know, and it's what I've, what I've been thinking I should do. But when I got, you know, when I suddenly had a moment of peace and looked up at that window and thought, oh, I was totally wrong. And then I got inspired. And then I talked to the guy and got more inspired. You know, now it's not a resolution. It's like, I'm, I'm, really excited about it and happy about it. And it's the thing that I was dreading trying to solve this problem because I couldn't solve the problem. So I really felt the difference. I could feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I got quiet enough. I guess I got discouraged and then I got quiet and I got quiet enough to look beyond my assumptions and notice the sign on the building and then, you know, follow up. And I, and I thought to myself, how many times have I done this? Have I written something down because I really should do it or I felt pressure to do it or somebody expected me to do it and I didn't do it and then I'd be mad at myself because I didn't do it and then I would resent the fact that it was written down and I should do it. <laughs> and and sometimes I would just give up and then other times if I waited long enough, suddenly I'd see it differently. And when I saw it differently, it didn't look like pressure. It looked like a great idea or an inspiration or a a moment of truth. And And I think that that would be something to remember because at this time of year, I think we all get kind of caught up in, you know, all the shoulds and the musts and the stuff that we didn't do last year and we got to start again. And 
And it's just good not to put yourself under that kind of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, is that, um, like we get taught that we ought to have these goals to work for. So a lot of times, um, you know, in, in, in psychology, you got to have treatment goals. You have to have uh, all these goals about what you think your life would look like if you were in a better place. Now the deal is, is that if you are in a better place, you see life differently. So it's really hard to do that. It's kind of backwards. It's like, let's make up how I want to be, even though I've never done that before, you know? And, and so when you, when you work from inspiration or you're looking like a lot of times people will kind of know they're, they're, they're doing something that's not good for them. Like um, I went, this is years ago now, but I didn't brush my, not didn't brush my teeth, didn't floss my teeth. And um, I, I knew I should, you know, like it wasn't a, like I knew I should do it. And I just didn't put it on the list of things to do every day. And I, I would go to the dentist and I had, I had all this dental work done. I had every tooth in my mouth capped. And one day the, um, it was actually, it was like the first, the first year that I was learning the principles and I was in the dental chair and the dental hygienist said to me, she said, I can't believe that you uh, squander your investment like this. And I I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you don't floss. And I said, well, what does that have to do with my investment? And she said, well, if you don't floss your teeth when they're capped, you're going to have to get them redone and you're going to get cavities underneath them and you're going to have all kinds of problems. And I was like, literally woke up and said, oh, this affects me financially. I better do something about this. <laughs> like focusing on uh, doing it for my health or because I knew it was a good thing. That that didn't wake me up at all. But it was just like, that's just how it works, right? You Suddenly you see it differently. And, you know, I floss my teeth every day from that day forward. Never had to work at it or remember it or set a goal to do it three times a week and then work up to seven times a week. I just changed. And that immediate, like, that's what happens when you get a shift. You see that with people like in addictions too, you know, like all of a sudden they'll like go, oh yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. And uh, for whatever reason, they read an article about how the drug they're using is affecting them. And they're like, oh, I can't be doing this. Or um, all of a sudden they see themselves like a friend of mine got was, we were at a, um, uh, kind of a luau and he um, got, this guy was saying something derogatory about his son and he got really upset with them. And he kind of started chasing him down the street a little bit. He was so mad at him. He was like going after him and he came back and we were talking and I said, you know, I don't know, but it seems like maybe when you drink, you, you, you change a little bit from this mellow, uh, really loving man to something else. He goes, what? I said, yeah, you, you kind of change a little bit. Your the way you are is in your personality. And he said, oh, okay. I'll just won't drink anymore. And to this day, I mean, that was like, I don't know, 40 years ago, he still doesn't drink. But he, he just saw, he didn't see that about himself and he saw that at that level and he just never drank again. And, you know, that's, you hear stories about that, you know, where people have a car accident or 
another friend of mine that I grew up with in high school um, had a car accident and he was driving home drunk and he thought he hit something and he never knew what it was, if it was a person or it was an animal, but it woke him up so much that he put other people in danger. It, he started going to AA, stopped drinking, and that was it. Just never, never, never needed to work on it, right? So when we set goals to work on things, it, it's kind of like intellectually, we know we should change this, but we really don't have that shift in understanding like, oh, I have to do this differently, or I don't want to do whatever I'm doing anymore, whatever it is. And that's really what, what helps to have sustainable change. Otherwise, people make resolutions and they change for a month or two. or and, and then pretty soon they go back to their old habits and they feel kind of bad about themselves because they were able to change. And then they went back to the way they were. And like, what's wrong with me? I'm this broken person. I can't change myself. And it's, um, it's just uh, kind of a, it's, it's just a different way of seeing how change works in people. Yeah, because we have to remember that our thinking, the nature and quality of our thinking is what creates our experience of reality. So like when we first think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing in the state of mind we're in at that point, when we have that thought, it seems like a good idea. And we think, yeah, we can do it. And maybe we can for a little while. But when you start to realize that as soon as your mood shifts or your state of mind drops, if you haven't really had a change of heart, you haven't really changed your mind. You just had an idea in a high mood that didn't look that good to you in a low mood or when you were back back at your usual level of functioning. And um, and I think that that's, that's kind of a missing piece in people as they make plans for the future. And I used to have this experience in my business with clients. They, they would hire my company. I was in the medical practice management business and they would hire my company to do practice assessments or practice evaluations. So we would come in and we had a considerable amount of expertise in the company and we kind of knew what we were doing. And we would come in and we'd look at how the op- how their business office was operating, how the waiting room was working out for patients, you know, what the wait time was and how the doctors were, how good they were about keeping on schedule and all these little petty details of practice. And then we'd look at their finances and so on. And we'd, we'd provide a very comprehensive report usually with 10 recommendations and they'd been watching us come in and out of the practice and everything and chatting with us and getting very excited about having a meeting with us and finding out this stuff. And, and, um, and then we'd have the meeting and they would go, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh yeah. We should definitely do that. And they'd go through the list with us and we'd explain why everything would work better and, and, uh, and they would take the, and they'd say, yeah, yeah, we're going to start on that. I'm going to get my office manager in here and blah, 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 blah. Now, sometimes they would hire us to do it and we'd just start doing it. But sometimes they would say, oh, no, we can do all these things. We just never thought of them. We're really excited about it. And if, I, if there was one of those cases, usually if I hadn't heard anything from them, I would call them back in about three months just to see how it was working out. I wasn't trying to sell them anything. I'd just say, you know, I'm just calling to follow up and see how you're coming with the recommendations. Is there anything that, you know, that you want to share the how things worked out? And a hundred percent of the time, they would very sheepishly say, "Well, we haven't really done it yet." You know, I mean, my office manager is kind of on overload, and we've been really busy. And they're great ideas, and we really should be doing them, but we just, we just can't seem to find the time, and you know, and. 
I thought to myself, what is what happens to these people before I learned the principles? I would say, what is wrong with these people? They were so excited about it. And these are simple things, little simple procedural things that they could do. And I, I was baffled completely. And then when I started learning the principles, I realized, oh my gosh, it's the state of mind they're in. You know, they come to the meeting with us and they're all pumped up because they're going to hear these new ideas and they're open-minded and they, their staff isn't there to say, oh, we can't do that. You know, it's just the doctors and, and uh, you know, and they, and, and we're happy, you know, inspiring people. And we, you know, often would have the meetings in the evening and serve a glass of wine, get everybody relaxed. And, and, uh, and then, you know, three days later, after they had discussed it with their billing person and their office manager, and they'd come up with 16 reasons why they didn't have time or didn't want to do it. And everybody kind of their mood settled back down to the routine. All of a sudden, it didn't look so exciting anymore because it wasn't their idea. It wasn't their moment of inspiration. They were inspired by our inspiration about their practice, not theirs. And when I saw that, I realized, oh, my gosh, I do the same thing. You know, I'll go to a conference and I'll go to a seminar on something, you know, that has to do with my life. And I'll get so pumped up in the seminar, I'll think, oh, my God, that's exactly what I should do. You know, I am definitely going to do that. And I'll take notes and I'll take the business card from the person that presented it. And I'll get back. And two weeks later, I put it in the trash and go, I, I just can't deal with this. You know, and I realized because it wasn't my idea, it wasn't a moment of inspiration or a moment of truth for me. And I know years ago when I was first involved in the principles, George Pransky used to talk about this as a change of heart, that people don't change until they have a change of heart. And I think that's a very touching way of saying it. You know, it's like something that happens deep inside you and you suddenly realize, I, I want to do this different. I, I just, I'm all cool with that. Yeah, that's, that's the, the key is that you see that you want to be different instead of that you should be <laughs> yeah you should be or or even it, it's kind of even like you want it like people do this with weight they want to lose weight but they don't want to change right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's the that's the problem is that people want to be different but they don't want to change to make it different because we get so attached to the way we do things, you know, we get attached to what we eat. We get attracted, you know, like people don't want to stop drinking because they like the taste of alcohol or they, you know, enjoy how it makes them feel when they're in social situations, but they've attached that good feeling to whatever the behavior is that causes problems. And so even though at one level, they know this is not healthy for me on another level, they're still attached to their thinking about getting a good feeling from doing that thing. And so people get caught up in uh, feeling bad about themselves because at one level they know this, what they're doing is not healthy and for them and, and, and yet they don't change it. You know, it's like people do that like, okay, yeah, I want, I don't want to have these problems with drinking. Like I see how it affects my relationship with my spouse, but I really like to have a glass of wine every once in a while. You know, like you, you can hear it in their mind that they've attached it. They haven't attached the bad feeling of fighting with their spouse to drinking. And so it still looks like a good idea. And that's how perception works. It's like we're seeing in life what we're thinking. So if you think that's a good idea, you keep doing it. But as soon as you wake up and you see it differently, 
And that's really like, real, literally, you just like perceive life differently. Then it, it's the, it, the, the illusion is dropped because we just get caught up in the illusion of our own thinking. And so it, when we have a positive think, thought about doing, I mean, that's why people do horrendous things to each other. Because at some level, that looks like a good idea to them. You know, it looks like that's their only recourse. It's the only way to get over the grief they have or the um, feeling bad feeling they have for something that happened to them. And so it's it's recognizing that we got to really attach ourselves to feeling better, to being in a good feeling, and then do things that create more of that. About three and a half years ago, I was hospitalized with AFib, and I'd never, I didn't even know what it was. I'd never had any problem like that before in my life, and it scared me because, you know, it was it was a scary feeling. And then the doctors take it really seriously, and they all kind of, you know, come around and start giving you in, injections and <laughs> intubation with things and tests, and and I'm a person that wasn't used to being ill. And so at the time, I was like, what the hell? What is going on here? So my cardiologist came in and explained what AFib was. And, and she said, you know, your heart's gone back uh, by on its own. It's, it's self-corrected. And this may never happen to you again, or it could happen next week. But she said, that's going to be depending on you. And so I said, well, what do I have to do? And she said, well, nothing special. You know, she said, don't use a lot of salt. Use salt very minimally, um, you know, and take the medicine that I prescribe for you. And um, don't drink too much coffee. Don't do a lot of things. Don't take in a lot of caffeine. Now, I've been a coffee drinker. I'm actually, a, I was a coffee, I would describe myself as a coffee addict. I've been a coffee drinker most of my adult life. And I would drink coffee on and off all day long. I'd always have a pot going in the office when I had an office, you know, and I would go out for coffee. I'd meet people for coffee. <laughs> and I, you know, I never paid any attention to how much coffee I drank. And I really like coffee. And at first I thought, what? And then she said, no, that's the worst thing you can do. And it's probably what triggered the AFib is all the coffee you drink. And she said, honestly, drink decaf but limit yourself to two cups a day and i'm not talking about two venties i'm talking about two cups you know because i thought cups oh big giant cup <laughs> and you know the funny part was i went to sleep that night and when i was falling asleep i was thinking gosh i don't know how i'm going to do that because you know coffee was such a big part of my social life and my thinking and when i woke up the next morning i thought i want to live I don't want this to happen to me again. I'm not, I don't, I didn't like this experience at all. And I just stopped drinking coffee. I didn't even get headaches. I just stopped drinking coffee. And for a while there, I didn't even drink decaf. I was drinking herbal tea. And then I kind of worked my way into my two cups of decaf a day, which I'm very careful about. And I've been fine. But it was made perfect sense to me when I woke up and thought, I want to live. Instead of thinking what I had to give up, I was thinking, oh, no, the alternative sucks. You know? mm -hmm. And that's a change of heart. I mean, sometimes it's just some silly thing, but it can really, ch it can change your whole life. It can, it can. Yeah. It, it's just so um, interesting to me that people work so hard at changing something. They get so much thinking about it. 
And the more thinking we have about whatever it is, the more actually we get caught up in what we want to change. So we set ourselves up to not change. (laughs) So it's kind of like understanding how it works, where you really see that you want to change and make things different. That's a good thing. I mean, change is a good thing. And, and as you evolve as a human being, you want to be able to, to listen to yourself so that you can see what needs to change here to have a quality, good life. Right. So when you're considering your new year's resolutions this, this year, ask yourself, you know, what, what, what appeals to me? What inspires me? You know, what, and, and reflect, don't, don't, intellectualize don't go through your little brain asking yourself what should i have done last year that i didn't do yet (laughs) or what do what does my boss want me to do or what does my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend want me to do it's what what turns you know what suddenly occurs to you is a great idea about your life and then you'll be inspired and you'll be able to do whatever you need to do and with that we'll say aloha for this episode yes Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll see you next year, probably. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 